grace and peace are yours in abundance through the knowledge of God, of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, my brothers and my sisters in Christ. This past week, my wife and I had an opportunity to be in a room with a bunch of other pastors and their wives, a bunch of pastors that I went to school with. So there were people, people there who knew me from seminary, who knew me from college, who even knew me from high school. And I have to say, I wasn't too happy about that last part. You ever run into somebody who has known you in a very embarrassing time in your life, who was there to hear the language that you used, the things that you wore, the mistakes that you made? They have this power over you, don't they? They have information about you you wish no one else had. And you just hope that even though they're, they're happy to see you, they've got big smiles on their faces and you have a good time with them, you just hope that they have the kindness and the grace to remember you not as who you were, but to understand, to, give you, to throw you a bone, to give you the benefit of, a of the doubt that you have grown, that you have matured, that that's not you anymore, that you no longer resemble the person you were during that time of your life that you now probably regret. Paul here called Saul. Paul is his Greek name. Saul is his Hebrew name. He was going through a time in his life that he would later come to deeply, deeply regret. He would come later on in his life to be completely ashamed of the time of his life during which the events of Acts take place. But he's not ashamed of them as they're happening. As Paul is living out this time, he's very proud of himself. He's a very prominent member in his synagogue, in his faith community. He's the teen of his congregation that shows up and lights the candles, stays after for a long time helping clean up. He's the one doing the readings in the synagogue. He's the one showing up to every event and staying late and arriving early. He is so on fire for his faith so that when he learns of this new movement, this new religious movement that claims to cherish the very same Old Testament scriptures that he cherishes, but they add this whole new dimension. They say that those Old Testament scriptures that Paul knows so well, they all point to one man, a guy. And people are worshiping this guy. People are leaving his Jewish faith community in the thousands to worship this guy. They're saying that he's God but how can that be, Paul's thinking, when he was crucified just a couple years ago? It doesn't make sense. This is nothing short, Paul thinks, of blasphemy, of heresy, and something must be done. And Paul's the first in line to do something about it. He makes his life's mission. He devotes the hours of his day to going door to door and not evangelizing anybody, not inviting anyone to church, but dragging people, men, women, children alike, to prison to punish them for leaving the, the Jewish faith for this new thing called Christianity. Paul is having so much success, if you want to call it that, doing this, threatening Christians, mistreating Christians, that he wants to expand his mission. 
So he's heading off to Damascus, a different city, and he's going to go there, and he's going to find all the Christians there, and he's going to drag them off to prison in Jerusalem for their faith. But while he's on the way, something absolutely terrifying happens. He sees a light. It shines brighter than any natural source. It is so bright that it knocks him off his, the horse that he's riding on, knocks him to the ground, and he hears a voice. Quite certainly, the last voice he ever expected to hear, the last voice he would ever want to hear in that moment. He hears the voice of Jesus. His travel buddies can't see this. They can't hear this. Because this vision, this, this appearance is just for Paul. Jesus shows up and he says to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He calls him by his Hebrew name, Saul. The name connected with his heritage. The name that Paul was so proud of. The name that Paul wore with pride. I am Saul, a Hebrew among Hebrews. He says, yeah, all that stuff that you're proud of, it's actually an egregious sin. Jesus says to Paul, why are you persecuting me? How terrifying way of a way to phrase it. Because Jesus does not say, why are you persecuting Christians? Jesus does not say, why are you harming innocent people? Jesus does not say, why are you affecting this great grand organization called the Christian church? He says, you are persecuting me, myself. What horror Paul felt to realize that the sins he was, that not only the very things that he was proud of were actually terrible sins, but the sins that he was committing against those men and women and children, against those Christians, were not just sins against them, but against Christ himself. It's like he was dragging Jesus himself off to prison, and now he has to account for it to Jesus. How scared would you be if you realize that the sins you've committed against other people were against Christ himself, the Holy One of Israel, against the Innocent One, the One who holds your life in his hands that you have disrespected, not people, that you have failed to serve and to love and obey, not just people, that those harsh words that you spoke, the gossip that you spread, wasn't just against people. And all those times that you failed to put, to put other people's needs above your own, that wasn't just a sin against people, but it was against Christ himself. What terror that would strike in our hearts if we had to answer for all of the sins we've committed, not just against the people, but against Jesus. Because Jesus had taken Paul's sins very, very personally. Because Paul was affecting the people Jesus loved. Just like all of our sins do. Affects people that Jesus holds close to his heart. But notice where things go next. Jesus is not here to rub Paul's nose in his path. Jesus is not that person who knows you from high school and says, ha, remember when you wore bell-bottoms and kind of rubs your, rubs your face in it or reminds you of those ways that you acted. Jesus is like that person 
maybe you didn't treat very well back in high school, maybe you were a bit of a bully, but you meet them and you realize they've forgotten all about it. You realize that they have given you the grace to move on, permission to be a new person. Because Jesus has other ideas for Paul. At the same time that he's talking to Paul, or around the same time, he appears to a guy named Ananias, a Christian follower of Jesus, of this new movement called the Way. He says to Ananias, I want you to go to the house of a dude named Judas. This is not the Judas who betrayed Jesus. That Judas has been dead for a while. This is a, a different Judas, a Christian Judas. Ananias is supposed to go to his house, and Jesus says, wait there for Paul to show up. You can imagine Ananias's trepidation about this task. He's heard all this stuff. He says, Jesus, I know how fiercely this man has persecuted Christians. I know people who are right now in prison because of Paul, people I love, people who are my friends, my family members, my church family, Paul is affecting. But aren't you just so glad when someone gives you room to grow, when that person doesn't remember who you used to be, but treats you as a new person. Jesus says, I have designs for Paul. I'm going to do stuff through him. I'm going to show Paul, I'm going to make him my chosen instrument, and I'm going to show him, Jesus says, how much he must suffer for my name. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is not here to rub your nose in your sin. He will identify it for you, he will speak a convicting word, just like Paul, so that we realize that those actions that we did that we may have been proud of are actually sins against Jesus. But his goal in doing that is not just to make you feel guilty. but He's got things for you to do. Jesus calls Paul into his service. Paul is not going to spend a second paying for the sins that he's committed. Of all the bad things he's done against Christians, Jesus is not calling him to be punished for his sins. And neither are you. As embarrassed, as ashamed, as guilty as you may feel about a particular time in your life, you will never have to spend a second paying for those sins. Quite simply because Jesus paid it all for you already. Jesus calls you now into himself, just like he did for Paul. He appeared to Paul in a way that he could not ignore, just like he has for you. No, it's true. You have not seen with your human biological eyeballs a, a giant light. You have not heard with your biological ears the voice of Jesus, but you have seen him, and you have heard him. You've heard him through your heart. You've seen him on the pages of Scripture. You've heard him through the faithful witness of a friend, fellow Christian, a parent. You've seen him in the sacrament of your baptism. He appeared to you. And you will see him today in the sacrament of the altar, the Lord's Supper. Jesus appearing to you to do the same thing he did for Paul. To change you. When was the moment when you were finally done with that embarrassing time of your life, whatever it was. Maybe it was when you graduated high school. 
you earned the grades, you got the degree, and now you could go to a college where hopefully no one knew who you were, kind of reinvent yourself, kind of be a new person. But you earn your high school graduation, just like you earn your college degree. Jesus has earned it all for you, and he hands you a new heart. He hands you a new self. He gives it to you. That's why we call it conversion. You are changed through Jesus Christ. You are a new person. That old you that you're embarrassed of or that you might feel shame about, that's quite simply not you anymore because now you are in Christ. And Jesus cherishes you and loves you so much, he considers you a part of himself. That same pain that Jesus felt toward Paul. And he said, why are you persecuting me because of the people Paul was affecting? That's how Jesus feels about you now that you are in Christ. The words that are spoken against you because of your faith, the ways that people mistreat you because of whom you trust in, who you believe in, the ways that people make you feel silly for believing in the resurrection of the dead or the afterlife or in God in general, Jesus feels those as if people were speaking those words against him himself. He takes it very personally because he takes you very personally. And the change in Paul's life is instantaneous. He receives his sight back to him. He spends days in scripture with brothers and sisters in the faith, studying with them, being preached to. And then what does he do? He goes to synagogues and he proves to people that Jesus is the Son of God, the very person he was condemning people for, for, for believing in, in. God is now using him to work faith in other people's hearts. How cool is that? And people were forced to say, well, isn't this Paul? What can account for such a dramatic transformation? Isn't this the guy that was aggressively persecuting the church? Wasn't this guy super sinful and now he's a part of the church? Now he's in Christ? People could say that about you and me, couldn't they? Isn't this person a sinner? And now they're telling me about my salvation? See, this is how Jesus works, brothers and sisters. He takes sinners and turns them into servants. He takes the unlovable and loves them anyway and loves you into his service. He takes the rejects of the world, the people that the rest of the world might say aren't worth a, a second of time, and he makes us his kings and queens, his priests, to proclaim his praises to the people in our lives. All Paul had to do was pour out from the cup that Jesus had filled with his love, just like you. All you have to do is give what you have been given, knowing that Jesus doesn't run out. All you have to do is share the change in your life that Jesus has worked through his word and through his love. It's as simple as that. And Jesus, through your life and through your witness, can bless so many other people in the exact same way. You have a time of your life that you might be ashamed of, but in Jesus, your shame is taken away. Jesus doesn't remember you for who you were. He remembers you. He thinks of you for who you are. 
He thinks of you as a part of his very self. And he takes it personally whenever you are threatened, whenever you are scared. Now you are in Christ. You are the body of Christ. You are his servants. You are his saints. And Jesus takes you very, very personally. Amen.